Hi, everyone, and welcome to Televisions, the podcast, an audio companion to the Televisions website and a show made by Anglophiles for Anglophiles. I am Lacey Bogger-Miles, and I'm the editor here at this rodeo. And joining me, as per usual, is my co-host and associate editor, Miss Annie Bundle. Hello. Hello. How are you today? Um, I don't know. I'm fine. We're recording this one stupidly early because Annie's going to New York Comic Con and... I'm not going to New York Comic Con, and I'm having like a lot of FOMO about it, but it's fine. It's okay. I don't don't feel bad about it. Honestly, like la- I I have a feeling it's not going to be nearly as like le- it was not crowded last year, which made it nice. And I have a feeling that this year is going to be crowded and not nice, and we're going to not be nearly as 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 mask friendly as we were. I'm not as like jealous of the schedule as I thought I'd be. The schedule is kind of just okay. I just miss seeing people. I I totally understand that part. Yes. But because, uh, you know, I've got like a lot of con friends that I only see at cons. So I, I, I'm going to miss seeing them. But apparently buying a house makes you broke. So I am staying home and not going to one of the richest, one of the most expensive cities in the country and inevitably buying Broadway tickets I shouldn't buy. <laughs> <laughs> Again, totally understandable. So what are we talking about today since we're talking early? Um, I am going to start this episode by apologizing to our contributor, Carmen Crowen, who has actually did the review of the show for us. But because we had recorded early, it didn't, we couldn't, we needed to be as flexible as possible with the schedule. But that is just a reminder for all of you to go and read her review when it is live so that you can get her perspective in addition to ours. And it is the new BritBox crime drama called Sherwood, not a Robin Hood retelling if that is what you thought, yeah. Um, I and it's kind of it's it's hard to bl- it's hard to blame people for th- assuming when they hear a show called Sherwood and it's a British show and it's on Britbox that the first thing they're going to think about is Robin Hood, especially because when you watch the trailer that Britbox did, the first thing you see is somebody getting murdered with an arrow, um, like a bow and arrow, and that is kind of, that is kind of like the the. Like, there's a dude that's killing people by shooting them with arrows, and he happens to live in Nottinghamshire. So, like, the the parallels the parallels write themselves. Yeah, and the the fact of the matter is is that this is based on a real uh, manhunt that happened in 2004, and one of the two killers the the, the killings were completely unrelated, um, but people didn't know that at the time, and due to the fact that there were other more pressing issues, they were not immediately cornered, and they both got away and hid in the woods. And I mean, the thing about Nottingham, you know, Sherwood Forest is it is really easy to hide in so it ended up they ended up sending up uh, the london met and it became the largest manhunt in history to find these people and one of them really did kill their victim with a bow and arrow though it didn't have anything to do with robin hood it just happened to be the weapon that he used um that being said um this though it it, it builds itself as a crime drama and the trailer presents it as a mystery um, who is shooting people with air, bows and arrows. Actually, this is the second episode in a row we've done because we did Leonardo last week where the mystery is actually not the point. <laughs> it's sort of weird, though, because Leonardo just makes its like mystery thing up whole cloth to try to like give the rest of the show a reason to exist. There is at least like a legitimate crime created that takes place in this show and it's not a mystery who's doing the crime but the it's it's how they're going to catch this person it's what was motivating this person it's how this particular series of killings is riling up you know decades 
decades old, you know, uh, what's the word I'm looking for here? Like, I want to say social issues, but that's not it. Like class divisions, social divisions. Um, I'd say social divisions. Also, just political division. Political divisions is right. Um, so one of the first things that gets mentioned. So um, like, kind of, kind of the crime part of it is is the impetus that makes the rest of the show happen, mm-hmm. as opposed to the point of the show. Yeah, I think. Unlike Leonardo, where they're just like, we're going to make up a murder mystery for the lols. Okay. So basically, um, this begin this begins where when um, an older uh, grandfather is on his way home from um, he calls it the clubby. It's basically the the union house where they drink and he's shot with an arrow on the way home and nobody knows why. But he has been basically one of the outcasts in the town for, oh, since 1984 when the miners' strike was broken. Now, most people in this country don't really know about the miners' strike. It is kind of the British equivalent of the airline strike here in America that Reagan broke in that when it happened, it was a massive blow to union power and really ended collectivism in in the country in a way that it has that it's only now just beginning to recover from in the same way that here in the US un, you know unionization is finally starting to happen again post pandemic but it th- this is the first time since like 1981 and the airline strike that it's been able to do that um Sherwood itself is you know these people are still stuck in the past in a lot of ways there's a there's a there's a scene where Leslie Manville says you know how can we move on when we literally refer to ourselves as a former mining town because that's how we still think of ourselves and so that's how we still judge ourselves and this was a this was a small part of a much larger area of miners the larger area of miners basically struck but this was a more moderate town that was part of the breakaway union that kept going to work and were therefore referred to as scabs the man who dies his name is uh, Gary he's a uh, played by uh, legend alan armstrong um was one of those who refused to cross the picket line and has been literally calling people scabs for 30 years since and it's why a lot of people in town don't like him it's why he and his uh, and his wife who's played by leslie manville are kind of um they're they're kind of estranged from most of this the the town including her sister who married a guy who crossed the picket line who's played by kevin doyle um by the way can we just talk about this cast i know it is insane like really it's 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 like honestly a dozen incredible people yeah because even the people in the small parts are are big deals yeah it's um this is one of those things where like it's actually um if you remember a couple weeks back we did cranford part of the impetus for me thinking of cranford and this sort of like you know this 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 all-star cast that kind of happens like once every five to ten years in the uk is that this is another one of those this is one of those moments where we have just everyone who is everyone just happens to be in this one project david morrissey leslie manville robert glenster kevin doyle claire rushbrook is the one who plays her sister, Lorraine Ashburn, and um, 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 what is his name? He's the guy who literally was like uh, Inspector Jeff in Poirot. 
um, Philip Jackson are uh, the 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 drug dealing couple that are sort of like um, that that may or may not be involved in the air. They're the ones who have the archery course on their property, and 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 it's not clear if they are are if they're behind it, if they supply the guy, if they know where he is, if they're hiding him, and because everybody knows that they're also the town drug dealers, like it's all very kind of awkward. Um, and then there's Adila Carr as Andy Fisher, uh, along with uh, Baligil as Neil, his son, who's just married Joanna Froggett. Her name is Sarah. She is the resident Tory in town, um, who is literally running as like on the on the on the platform that the red wall has fallen, and now we can all be Tories, like you know, outwardly. We could. It's it, it, it's not quite like um the 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 sort of MAGA thing that we have going here in the U.S., but it's definitely like leaning that way. Um, but so since Neil and Sarah get married, Andy is um he's awkward. He's a widower. He's really very clearly been hanging on his son completely, and he's and has no boundaries with him and zero zero boundaries does not know does not know how to use technology oh my god um the the that the 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 scene where he's accidentally attached to the bluetooth is um Mm. cringe and a half um so uh anyway he sarah desperately wants to like put up boundaries and neil is perfectly happy to go along with her but hasn't actually told his dad any of this. So Andy kind of feels like Sarah is coming between him and his son. And she's sort of presented as kind of this, well, like, um, rhymes with which person um, when we first meet her. But honestly, like, one of the things I really love about Froggett's performance in this role is that you can see that actually what she wants is perfectly reasonable. And that she's not actually that this is that that she is in a in in a really crappy situation and that she's trying very hard to like sort of extricate her husband from his father and make his father understand that he needs to go live his own life. And that's really hard when you live right next door to your father. <laughs> I know. Yeah. It's a little it, one of the things that that uh, struck me with this is just how everyone in this town just lives on top of each other. Yes. Like everybody is all up in everybody else's business, not just because they don't have anything else to do, but because they can't help but know each other's business because they literally live on top of each other. Yeah. Um, so David Morrissey's character, Ian Sinclair, is um, he grew up in this town. He married well, and they now live on the outskirts of town. And they're sort of no longer really quite part of this town. And that is, has a lot to do with where he landed on the side of the miners' strike as a young copper. Um, he also finds that he needs help from the London Met, and the person who gets sent down to help him is uh, a guy, Kevin Salisbury, who's Robert Glenster. And he and Ian have history from the the time from the minor strike because that was when Kevin was also sent down to Nottinghamshire as part of the waves of metropolitan police who basically beat the crap out of the striking miners when they misbehaved so that the local police didn't have to do it. Um 
it's all really kind of like I mean, it, it really is like very there is a real incestuous sense here where like at one point, like Ian, ha- Ian and his wife throw a, 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 a dinner and the girl who is the ex-girlfriend, the secret ex-girlfriend of Kevin, who's married to the guy who's also Ian's usual partner is there. And it's just all like I'm like, dude, how many people live in this town? Like 10? <laughs> and they're all played by A-listers. <laughs> I know, right? I think that it will feel a little more familiar to people who, like, not to stereotype myself, but who maybe live in the South, who have these sort of smaller, more insular communities that are all up in each other's business like this. Um, there's also another, there, there's another subplot about uh, a cop that's got, that came under, that was undercover, who came to town undercover to try to, I guess, break the minor strike, but then just never came out of cover and like still lives there. And it's this whole mystery of who this person is and what are they doing? Honestly, to me, that was the closest thing to a real mystery that this series had. Which is clearly why I thought that was the most boring part of it. I was like, I don't know who this is and I don't care. The only thing I was rooting for it to be, um, uh, this show's been out. This this show's been out for a week now, so I'm gonna get a little bit spoilery in some of this. I was rooting for it to be Ian Sinclair's wife because <laughs> I just wanted him to get with Leslie Manville like so badly. I ship them like you would not believe. Uh, I have to make my own fun sometimes in these shows, and Julie and Ian are, are OTP for me. Um, I will absolutely say that the the young Ian who's played by George Howard and Poppy Gilbert who plays young Julie Jackson, you can kind of see where that. They're right they're vibing right you can kind of see where julie could have chosen ian as her uh, instead of choosing gary and that um and that had had she done so she and her sister would have stayed friends because ian was on the 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 wrong side of the miners' strike quote unquote it's funny i feel like i feel like i understand the fit i mean i'm southern so fit people in my family like don't talk to other people in my family and haven't for a very long time so this is this is very normal to me. I mean, maybe not healthy, but I get it. Um, I really loved the way that we had the kind of two timelines. Um, one of the things that Carmen said in her review was that she had trouble sort of figuring out who was the young version of everybody and that she kept mm-hmm. going back to IMDb for that. I actually didn't have that problem. Um, a little bit of it is because, okay, so Robert Glenster, young Robert Glenster's character is literally played by his son. And like, the, they look so alike that like, in, it's instant. Um, and Poppy Gilbert really does a very good young Leslie Manville. Um, and like some of the other ones, like the young Mickey Sparrow, like really, like he really grabbed like Philip Jackson's cadence in a way that like I knew instantly that that was who he was supposed to be. Whereas the 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 young um, spy cop who we can't figure out who who this is now in real life. Like when you actually find out who it is, I was like, nope, I would never have bought that. <laughs> and that's probably like the that it, that in itself is kind of the weakest moment is that you don't feel that that character, well, the young character and the old character are the same person in the same way. And I understand that's because they don't want you to guess because it is really well hidden. I mean, it's well hit. It's well hidden for a while. But eventually, like, you start thinking, well, there's only so many characters that tick this box and this box. Who could it be? Mm-hmm. It's this person. It's, I don't know. Maybe I just maybe I just play Clue too much. Who could say? But 
I I don't know. I was really like not interested at all in the flashback stuff. That's like, really other than other than young Ian and young Julie like looking hot together. But I just like the is it the penultimate episode that's like fifty percent flashbacks? Yes. I was just like whatever. Fast forward. <laughs> I was really much more invested in the modern day stuff. That's so funny because to me, like, I loved that episode. That to me was like my favorite episode, actually. And it was partly because, you know, up until then, everybody keeps talking about the incident that happened in 84. And like, I know from history that in a, that, that there was the moment where the strike was broken in 84 that had to do with like a huge that had to do basically with like, um, the 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 striking miners basically went behind the uh the backs of the 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 scabbing miners and like destroyed a lot of the property of the London Met and that that basically the Met retaliated really hard and that was kind of the moment where it really broke so I sort of knew it was going to be something like that but I really loved the way it was I, I loved the way that it was demonstrated I love the fact that like a whole little crew of like really great actors like showed up for a single episode as like the pair <laughs> as as the deceased parents of all these people like I was just like wait there's oh and there's and there's yeah like it was totally like I was like, yeah yeah I get that I also back to the secret idea identity of the the undercover cop who stayed undercover it also really like there's no other reason really for those characters connected to that person to be on the show unless they have some larger purpose so i i don't know i wasn't super thrown by it it makes sense it works like i get it i don't entirely get why this person decides to stay instead of just leave but it makes sense that that is the person it is and i don't know why i'm like spoiling everything else but i'm not spoiling that but i'm trying to be like vaguely spoilery and not like incredibly spoilery um i have to say the thing i love the spy cop thing because to me that was also like one of the real themes of this show is that it it's not just about like the minor strike it's about the fact that the tories literally engineered this strike to happen in order to break union power and that these miners basically unwittingly helped Maggie these people hate Maggie Thatcher these are the people who danced in the street when Maggie Thatcher died and yet their willingness to hate their neighbor and to blame their neighbors basically was 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 basically a party to allowing her to take their power and and that really to me was sort of the spy cop thing which is really kind of shocking basically the spy cop thing um for those who uh, don't know about this because i didn't know about this until i watched the show is that they literally embedded cops in communities they took on completely new identities that they stole from like little babies who had died like they took like li- they took their names and they took their like their guys if you've ever watched the fx series the americans this is not going to feel that weird to you um it's not like it does de- technically do that but it's that they then married and like had kids with and like did the like within their own country like one thing about the americans is that it's supposed to be russians coming over here who are two russians who basically are spies who then pretend to be americans right like that's the whole point of the show whereas this is like you're literally fighting against your own people like that's that's some screwed up crap <laughs> to uh to not swear on this podcast um I mean, really, just stunning, like, that, that the 
in order to monitor people that the police didn't, that the police thought were the enemy within, that they would do this, that they would literally tell someone like this, this woman when she, who's like a kid, she's like 21. And she's basically told that for the good of her country, she needs to pretend to be somebody else and basically make these communities turn against each other. And that, that, all of that to me was so much the point of this show that, 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 and, and I guess, I get that as the mystery part, it probably wasn't the, 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 the thing, the thing that spoke to you, but that was really, truly the thing that spoke to me. The only thing that didn't speak to me though, is that, is the reconciliation at the end. Well, there's going to be a season two, so we right. have to. We have to do that. And, and and there's a level where also, like, we have to, like, air out our wounds in order for them to heal. And I get that. But, you know, like, actually, if you, like, read some of the books about, like, the minor strike, because I actually, um, I, I, I picked up, a, I, I picked up a book called, it's called Look Back in Anger. Like the Oasis song. Yes. Um, it's a, it's a, it's basically an oral history of the striking Nottingham, uh, Nottinghamshire miners in the 80s. Um, and I, cause I didn't know enough about this and I like watching the show, I got really excited and wanted to know. So I read this and the thing that really struck me is a, how much the anger that this show shows that these people still hold with each other is still held like in real life, like that that's real. And, and I know that you said that as a, as a Southern person who, who has family that never speaks to each other, I suppose that's not so shocking to you, but it really kind of is to me. Um, but I don't think they would have reconciled. Like reading that book, I'm like, those people would never reconcile. So when I reached the reconciliation, I was like, I, I guess this is good TV, but also, and don't get me wrong, these speeches are great, but <laughs> <laughs> judging by my uh, barometer of southernness, they would they would not have. But, <laughs> okay, like I said, season two is coming. So I, I do love the fact that there is a season two of this coming. I mean, I do just because I like all these actors and I mostly like these characters. Let's get let's get to that in a minute. But back to this season, because mm-hmm. a lot of what I want to talk about about next season is like what the hell story they're going to tell. Uh-huh. Um, because this this first season does pretty much well wrap up a lot of the big arcs of the story like it's not a secret who's shooting people with arrows. They're pretty clear about that from the first episode. Although I don't think the show does a super great job of really like explaining the motivation. Like I get it from like a 50,000 foot view. Like it's sort of an inverse of the Robin hood trope. Like the poor people are taking from the rich instead of the rich giving to the poor. And I'm kind of, I'm kind of down with that. But other than just like, like, I don't know, 20 something white male rage. I didn't really get a lot from, why like how we go from just being surly a surly unhappy 20 something to literally like sleeping under leaves in the forest and shooting people with crossbows like i don't i don't really feel like the show drew a clear line for me about why why this person starts doing these things i think it was supposed to be some kind of like flip on the robin hood trope but it did like i could have maybe got you could have maybe spoon fed me a little bit more there um okay so i this is not, nothing against adam hugel is the guy who 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 kind of plays the i mean this is not a spoiler i'm sorry guys like literally from the first episode you know who's shooting the arrows no it's a yeah like it's like in the first it's not a secret yeah um he he does a good job with the speech where he's supposed to basically explain his ideas of why he's doing this, but it doesn't actually make sense. Like, there's almost a... It, it, it's like they didn't quite have the nerve to make him 
an incel, an internet hater person. They didn't have, they never actually draw like a, a straight line to the, the, the idea that this could be racially motivated. Um, there is a scene where, um, there is a scene where the Salisbury, Kevin Salisbury, the, the Robert Glenter character, uh, there's an arrow fired and it hits a, it hits a white lady, but she's with a black guy and basically he's like her golfing partner. And basically he's asking the guy, his name is Cleaver. He's, he's basically like pushing at him, trying to figure out if the, the arrow was really meant for him. But they never actually go there and they never actually make that connection. Like they didn't quite want to get into the whole like why a white why an angry white boy would do this. Well, because the th- the thing is, I had I had sort of my internal logic, like I said, I was trying to write it as like the reverse Robin Hood trope of like the poor people taking from the rich and not waiting for handouts or from you know, somebody who deigns to give it to them, but also he's not that bad off. No. Like he's not he's not struggling financially. His family is one of the scabbers who never really lost their jobs mm-hmm. and who still seem for, you know, a given value of fine to be fine. Like so I didn't I, I so there's no like I don't know. I thought that that was. I thought it was the class based, financially based angle that they were going for. But then the rest of it didn't really pan out that way for me, because I don't think it was trying to do like a racial thing. I don't think it was trying to do a man hating thing. I think it was trying to do a class thing, and I just don't think they really did it that well. Otherwise, why do you pick the imagery of like literally Robin Hood and Sherwood Forest? Like I suppose it's true. The myth writes itself. I also. Um, and this is the other thing is that I was trying at towards the end to see if the idea also was that this character as a young northern white man with no job and no prospects, if the closing of the mines basically drives him to this and that this is we never gave them something else to be because we're just a former mining town and we never thought of ourselves as anything else. And I, I, I was trying to go there with it where you were trying to go with Robin Hood. I was trying to go with the mining, the, the spy cop mining thing with it. And that didn't work either. So I feel like I feel like it just didn't it wanted to do things, but it never actually quite landed on any of them. Because the the mining thing doesn't super work because he does not st- like I never got the sense that the show wanted me to think that in a perfect world he would have been a miner. Yeah, no, that's true, because his father actually has a whole thing about how he was going to make like a better life for them than digging mm-hmm. than, than digging mm-hmm. a hole in the ground. Right. Like that, that, that there's a whole like anti mining thing in that family, in fact, because they're so angry about how everything went down and 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 what a terrible life it was to be a miner. Like that is the one it's the one time the show really actually kind of digs into how horrifying it is to. Yeah, I mean, it's not great. Anybody that's ever watched the show Justified, you should watch the show Justified because it's great. It's about mining in Appalachia and it's horrible. Yeah, it's there- horrible. People are just basically going down there to die slowly. Yeah, there's some sort of like at one point, one of the characters kind of romance decides it. You're touching a piece of rock that no one's touched for. And I was like, no, I don't buy it. <laughs> that was the, that and and that was kind of a moment of um I, I actually thought about Bridgerton how Bridgerton tried to like make thing everything about love and I was like nope I'm not buying it that moment I was like no I'm not buying it like you just don't even with that don't even with that because we all know better we know that mining is and actually like Kevin Doyle gets a really great speech towards the end of this was going that this was never going to be a good thing for our town anyway mining sucked we were all going to lose our jobs and you guys just wouldn't face it and 
I'm I'm I wish that there was more of that. I wish that mm-hmm. the, the show was willing to be clearer about that and not willing to romanticize mining in this way that is not real. I mean, I don't think I don't think they're alone in that. I think a lot of even shows, for example, Justified Again, that that purport to be very anti-mining do have a very um, and maybe anti-mining is not the right word. Do you have maybe like a very kind of romanticized version of what it means to be like a man who works with his hands in the ground yeah. or that kind, of, that kind of thing and like what that means and how that ties into people's concept of what it means to be like manly and to be a man. And I just, I don't know. I feel like there's also something interesting going on that that here that the show never really poked at because it does have a lot of really interesting very different examples about like what I'm making air quotes here, like being a man means. Mm, and yeah. I wish it had done more with that because I think kind of like the triangle of like Ian and Kevin Doyle's character and Gary, I guess. Fred is the is Kevin Doyle. He's just Kevin Doyle. <laughs> <laughs> He's just Kevin Doyle forever. Um or maybe it's more than a triangle, like like those three characters plus Robin Hood in the Woods, you know, and, and, and real- Kevin and Kevin from London, like all of them, like there's all they're all twisted up in 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 what it is to be manly and what it is to be honorable and like what that means in terms of the work you do. Yeah, and Ian is very much like, oh, well, at one point he like investigates his own wife and she gets so mad at him and he's like, well, I have to, you, I have to, and she's like, but I'm your wife, right? I was like, dang, I wish she was guilty, <laughs> so she'd have to go to jail. <laughs> Sorry, I'm sure she's lovely. <laughs> Just don't get away get in the way of my shipping preferences thing. <laughs> um, she actually like uh she she had a minor role in the in the crown and she was also like a regular on Inspector Lewis. Can I just say that that's the other thing about this show? Like, you know how I'm the person who's always like, and they were in this show, and they were in this show. That was basically I did that like for the first two episodes. I would have been unbearable if like I'd actually been live slacking because I would have driven you crazy with all the different shows. I would have I- just I would have just muted you. I'm not even gonna pretend. <laughs> Because seriously, this is such a who's who of British of 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 British actors. Like I, I, I there's like three different Downton Abbey people. There's like three people from Unforgotten. Um, Wait, can we go? Can we can we go back to poking at the at the masculinity thing for a oh, second? Yes, because yes. I forgot we left we left out one major vertical, which is uh, the whole oops. Joanne Froggett gets killed. And like, what does, like, how does that happen? I have to tell you, like, sorry, that was, that probably maybe more of a spoiler than I should have said, but it's, it's important, I think, to talk about how it works in with the rest of the show because they do spend quite a bit of time in the marketing materials kind of promoting the fact that Joanne Froggett is in this show. And she's not in the show for very long. No, she's not. I literally, I very, I very rarely get super surprised by things because, I mean, I watch a lot of TV. So I, 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 very rarely find myself genuinely shocked by something, but when they just hit her in the face with her own gardening shovel, I I I made a noise out loud. I think I I said something probably that I can't say on this podcast, but you know, like props are being genuinely like shocking. Yeah, I will absolutely say that I did not see that coming, and the best part is is that like. I had read things that should have told me that that's what was going to happen. 
and who was going to kill her. And I simply just, I, it didn't occur to me that that's actually what, that that's, that that was what they meant by that in the marketing materials. And then I was like, holy crap. But like going back to our discussion about the variety of male characters on this canvas, like, mm -hmm. like, look at that mess. Mm hmm. Yes. The 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 the, the father-in-law, the son and uh, and and Froggett's character, like the fact that she's a pushy woman, you know, he the, the father-in-law is this is this seems this meek, gentle, like he seems like the person. I believe Carmen referred to him as the personification of gentleness in her review, except the thing is, is that he's not because the moment she pushes him and the moment she I mean, granted, she says something extremely rude about his dead wife but i mean it's still like who among us like yeah um and, and she even started she's like oh that was too far i'm sorry and then he and then boom she's dead and it's like whoa i don't know because i wasn't sure what the show was because this is a little bit spoiler i'm sorry but eventually he kills her he goes on the run uh, into the forest and he eventually cross paths cross crosses paths that's a lot of sibilance with the our our foe Robin Hood who is shooting people and they kind of hang out kind and it's of? a really like it's a really weird like because otherwise these stories don't super intersect except for the part where they think the same person did is doing all the killings okay I just for the record this is actually the part where we are hitting historical accuracy there were these two murders that happened within like a very short period of each other and the cops thought that they were done by the same person or that they were somehow related and they weren't and the two men went and hid in the forest and basically met up and kind of worked together for a little while even though they had nothing in common just because they were both on the run together so that is actually like the accurate part that is so weird and and it is and the the bit about where the cops assume that the that the arrow killing guy kind of kidnapped the other one is also part of that is part of the the the, the taking from history part um so that those parts the reason that they might feel a little weird because the thing is they fictionalize so much of this story that when they actually do the stuff that's actually historically accurate it almost doesn't feel like it fits <laughs> That's exactly what that is, because that felt completely made up to me in the sense that it felt like, well, here is where we're going to try to draw an arrow for the an arrow <laughs> for the audience to be like, here is how these stories intersect, because they don't really touch each other other than the fact that they both happen in this town. Yeah. And that's the thing is that the stories didn't really intersect in this town, except that the two basically ran and hid in the forest and they had to get this huge manhunt underway because they... The, the town basically wouldn't turn them in because the town didn't trust cops and the two ended up working together to sort of keep themselves out of out of the cops hands for as long as they could and then one basically like gave himself up so the other could basically try to escape in sort of a suicidal um moment and can i i mean honestly like everything about that like you said you know the the toxic masculinity that kind of exists in that and kind of exists in their dynamic is kind of an amazing thing they don't delve into. You're absolutely right. Well, it's interesting because I feel like when you look at um, when you look at people of a certain generation, like you're just like, oh well, that's you know they're of that generation. Like we're like there's certain people in this town who are like, well, 
yes, they have what we might think are some outdated views because look when they grew up, look where they grew up, look at the things they have or have not been exposed to. But both of these people are relatively young, Mm -hmm. at least in comparison to everyone else. But they just, I don't know. That whole thing was just very strange to me. And then... um, What's his name's dad? Basically, like, suicides by cop? Yes. It's very strange. It's all just very weird. Yeah, and again, it's supposed to be, like, this is kind of a... There's, like, a weird manhood thing going on there. Yeah, and I I wasn't sure what I was supposed to take away from, like, that piece of the story. I actually really felt like I got something out of the the miners' strike half of it. But this other piece felt like, that's so funny to me that that's actually the bit that really happened because it feels so made up to me. <laughs> <laughs> um, But yeah, I just... The other thing about this show, and this is really like, I, I, I don't want people to take this as a knock on BritBox. But if BritBox didn't exist, this, by rights, should have been a PBS show. I mean, and I feel like I'm sitting here, like, just sort of picking it apart, but I actually really liked it. It's one of the best things I've seen this year. It's it's really propulsive. It's really easy to watch a couple of episodes in a row without really noticing that you're doing it. It's high quality all around. Y'all know I don't really enjoy this stuff as a general rule, but this one's great. Yeah. Um. It has it has three people from Downton Abbey. It has three people from um, Forgotten and three people from Poldark, like, in a row. Plus, you have, like... Uh, you have Leslie Van Phil and Claire Rushbook who are both about to be in Magpie Murders together. You have the people from Inspector Lewis and Grant Chester and Alan Armstrong and Philip Jackson who are like freaking living legends. Like the entire the entire cast is really stunning. And I really feel like this is a show that PBS viewers absolutely need to know about. 100%. Like, because I feel like nobody's going to see, I mean, I love Box, but I also feel like it it is a it is a sort of nichier mm-hmm. home for it than yes. than a lot of other places the show could live, and I hope people find it because I think if I like it, people that really like this stuff are gonna love it. Yes, and I'm actually kind of sad that it's not going to be a masterpiece show because if it was, it would get like a much it would get a much broader audience and it would get reviewed more here in the U.S. It would get a weekly release model too instead mm-hmm. of dropping as a binge, which I actually think a binge is is not a terrible model for this show because like i said i think it is a very propulsive sort of story it lends itself to watching a bunch in a row but it also means that it's harder for it to i think break through into kind of the larger conversation yeah and just being on BritBox also means that there are just reviewers who are never gonna who are never gonna touch this because because life is short peak tv is vast and you only have so much column inches that this is just never gonna get that there are certain reviewers large-scale reviewers who are never going to know that this show even exists and that makes me really sad (laughs) and i really hope like because sometimes BritBox stuff like um 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 sister sister boniface for instance, is now coming to like people's local PBS stations. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's a whole nother. That's just a whole nother thing of like rights windows and when things will be available yeah. to be offered to places that are not BritBox. I'm sure it has an extensive window as a. I'm making a BritBox exclusive. Oh yes, absolutely. Kind of thing here because so is Sister Boniface, but um, maybe by the time maybe by the time season two is ready to drop, that might be a possibility. Yeah. Uh, if only because that's when I would do it, because it would make people want to subscribe to BritBox to watch the second season after they saw the first season on their PBS station. But hey, BritBox, if you're listening, I am free for consulting. Hey, listen, it, wor- it worked for the CW and Netflix. CW put their shit on Netflix like one week before it came out and suddenly get a huge bump. 
Yeah. So you can it, it can be done. And, and you know, I, I want people to watch the show. I know it's it's actually quite good. It's hilarious because this is one of those ones that like Lacey's kind of put up with me pushing it at her and pushing it at her and pushing it at her because I was like, I really need people to know about this show. And she was kind of like, what is it? What, what is with you? <laughs> Uh, and then I ended up really liking it. So learn from learn from my hesitancy. Let's talk about season two. What the heck happens in season two? I have absolutely no idea. I guess Julie and Ian are going to get together. No. <laughs> That's my fanfic anyway. Um, I don't know. Like, I guess the, the, the problem with stuff with stuff. It's not that I don't want the show to have a second season. I want all these people to thrive. But uh, kind of the problem when shows like this start getting additional seasons is that the kind of general impetus for them to exist has been exhausted. So then it becomes a thing where like people just start randomly dying in their town. And I mean, not to knock it like Midsummer murders on like season 37 at this point with people dying in their town. But like, that's not, I don't feel like this is that kind of show. And I just don't like, I don't know. And, and actually that that's a really good point because as I said, this is not a show. You know, it's one thing to do that with a show where the mystery actually is what matters. But this is not a show where the mystery matters. Like, they tell you right away who did it. Right? And, like, the closest thing to a mystery, quote-unquote, is the spy cop part. And even that isn't truly a mystery if you do the math. Right? Like, the reveal is really well done, and if you're not doing the math, or you deliberately don't allow your brain to do the math because you don't want to figure it out, um, that's one thing, but you can. And so the mysteries aren't what matters here. And the idea of doing a second season where it's all about the mystery would make no sense. Because that's not what the show's about. The show is about a mining community. The show is about old politics. The show is about insularity and what these red wall towns want to do with themselves now in a world post-Brexit. Uh, I don't know. Maybe it's going to be like a Romeo and Juliet thing with like Julie's granddaughter and that Sparrow kid. <laughs> <laughs> I truly have no idea. I mean, I get the impetus. Like, I feel like the show has been very positively reviewed. I think it did kind of gangbusters numbers in the UK. It did. Like, it's this. This is the kind of show that wins awards for places. It's like so a list. So I get it. I just don't know what they're going to do with it. Yeah. Um. I. Uh... You know, I wrote up the uh, the post. Ian and Julie. Ian and Julie. Ian and Julie. <laughs> You're ridiculous. I'm just, I I ship things. I'm sorry. It took. Okay. But I, they had like insane chemistry. That's all I'm saying. She's a widow. His wife sucks. Like, just <laughs> come on. Um, the thing about uh, I wrote up the uh, the greenlit for season two. Um, when it when it was announced, it was announced uh, back in like I guess um, August ish because the show finished its run in in the UK at towards the end of July because one of the I know it was in July because one of the later episodes got shoved for Wimbledon and there was kind of people grumping about it. Um, <laughs> yes, I timed the world by Wimbledon, um, but the I you know they announced that there would be a season two, um, but it. It, and basically, it was renewed like almost right away. But I don't, I, I, I cannot for the life of me figure out what they they're gonna do with it. Like, you know, they didn't really have anybody other than you know the guy who wrote it, Graham, who base uh, his name's James Graham. He uh, he actually is from this area. 
Um, and he remembers this the, these murders from 2004, and he really wanted to sort of basically do a show about his town and about the kind of people that he grew up around. Um, and so he's going to do like he wrote all six seasons. He wrote all six episodes of this one, and he's going to write all six episodes of the next one. But I can't think what he would do with it other than I guess maybe tell more stories about this kind of like the, these 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 areas um without a without a without a mystery i don't know i'm i'm real curious because he has such an a-list cast to work with too yeah i know i mean the only like i'm trying to even other than my my continual drumbeat for ian and julie i'm trying to think of like what's even still kind of hanging out there i guess it is like her granddaughter dating that's vero kid i guess see that i mean they killed off joanna froggett's character who would have been the closest thing to a an antagonist not even an antagonist, but just like, uh, I will say, like maybe an underrepresented point of view mm. in the sense that, like, this is a viewpoint that was, you know, uh, if, if not popular, at least listened to in in towns that were changing in this way. And I don't know, that would have been an interesting kind of like, here's what happens in these places in a post-Brexit society. But too bad because she's dead. <laughs> and we'll never see that happen like i don't know just like a lot of people are dead or their stories are finished and i don't i don't yeah. i love david morrissey but i don't need a whole show about like ian sinclair solves crimes yeah i i don't either and dates um, julie so yeah um I, i'm curious to see what they do with this um i'm hoping that it, i'm hoping it'll be good though um you know james graham also did a just uh, uh, looking looking at his CV, he did things like he did the Brexit show, actually the Brexit Civil War thing with the uh, Benedict Cumberbatch. Oh yeah, and I didn't um, like that one that much. He also did Quiz, which was really oh, really- I did like Quiz yeah. though, but that was that's again such a specific story. Yeah, like that is maybe that's why I didn't like the Brexit story that much, mostly because the guy that Cumberbatch played was just a huge d bag, <laughs> but. I just hope you know what that's I think that's what I need from season two is I need another very specific story for this area in order for it to work I agree okay mostly just because this does not see this show doesn't care about the show the show doesn't care about the mystery of it's not a murder mystery the mis- the, the murdering one the mystery yeah like we knew from the first episode who was killing people yeah i think an anthology series is better off for this than a continuation of these characters Oh, you mean like American Horror Story style? Yeah, like another story in the East Midlands from another Redwall town, you know. But like David Morrissey doesn't play Ian Sinclair. He plays like, I don't know. <laughs> I didn't Patrick, even... Pa- I... Patrick Sheen or something. <laughs> yes, with all the same actors, but in different roles. That would, I would... I well, would... No, I mean, that's the American Horror Story model. I would be there for it. Anyway. They're um... not going to do that. <laughs> no. I would be amazed by that, but they're not going to do that. Mostly because the show's name is Sherwood. Yeah, so I feel true. like it has to at least like stay tangentially in Nottinghamshire. Probably. All right. Watch Sherwood. Um, if you have if you have BritBox, subscribe and watch Sherwood. If you don't, you can probably at least get a free trial long enough to watch it. Yeah. It's only six episodes and really you can watch it in a day. It is definitely. It is. I a, did it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> of course you did. Actually, that's not entirely true. I think I did it four and two. Okay. Now that I think about it, I did three and three, but that's because I was given the first three like months ago, and then I got the other three. So, uh, I did four and two. I think because Greg wanted to watch like that that Law and Order triple team up thing <laughs> instead, so we watched that. 
Um, rip from the headlines, y'all. Anyway, yes, I also agree. Watch Sherwood. So that is our show. Annie. Tell the people where they can find you on the internet. Uh, you can find me at Annie Bundle on Twitter. You can find me at Miss Annie Bundle on Facebook. And you can find pictures of my very fuzzy cats who were mercifully did not break into my office while we were recording this. And their very fuzzy tails on at Annie Bundle on Instagram. Uh, I am a staff writer Elite Daily and the associate editor here at Televisions, um, which is nice and new and shiny. So I hope that you guys like our overhaul. Oh, that's right. It is really pretty. And let me tell you, I feel like I should say this so that our web designers are happy. It looks freaking great on your phone. It really does. Um, so thank you, Jess, for making it look amazing. Um, yeah. Uh, and I freelance around the web. And if you want to know what I wrote this week, just basically like go to my Twitter because I retweet all of my bylines. Um, I, I believe I'll be writing about Grey's Anatomy when this one comes out. That show is still on, huh? I know. Okay. <laughs> Um, just moving right past that. Uh, I am I am Lacey MB on Twitter. That is L A C Y M B, and like Annie, I write a lot here at Televisions and around the entertainment web. But I too always tweet my bylines. So come be my friend. Check out what I'm watching and reading and hollering about. You can come see our brand new shiny, very pretty website at televisions.org, and click on the donate button up top to help us keep making all the cool content that is populating its pages. You'll also get access to PBS Passports, where you can watch a positive pile of new releases, online exclusive binge opportunities, and just a lot of cool stuff. I forgot to say this because we haven't made them any shinier, but they're still there. The site and the pod are on social media at Televisions Blog, all one word on Facebook, and Telly underscore Visions on Twitter. If you have any thoughts on Sherwood or other other BritBox properties that you think people may have missed and need to watch or you just want to talk to us because I don't know I like talking to people uh, our email is televisions at weta.org and we would love to hear from you send us your cats for our newsletter by the way we enjoy looking at um, everyone's pets that is our show thanks for being here with us welcome to the fall which is just a constant onslaught of various mystery shows and crime dramas so buckle up I am as ready as I will ever be. In the meantime, uh, enjoy spooky season. Take care of yourselves. Take care of each other. Buy some candy, particularly if it's dark chocolate flavored, because that is the best. And get your COVID booster if you are eligible and a flu shot. It is tis, it is the season for coming down with stuff. And I don't know. Let's protect ourselves as best we can, shall we? Thanks for listening. And we'll see you next week. Next week.